This episode is about hope. Everything will be okay. That might sound comforting when it comes from someone who makes you feel safe, or it might sound hollow if it's coming from someone who doesn't know the whole situation. Regardless, it might also sound like something you wish you could believe, but holding on to that belief is kind of like trying to hold sand in your hand. If you open your hand and let it go, it, it's gone. If you squeeze tightly to hold it, it seeps out through your fingers. Either way, you're just left with this gritty residue that reminds you everything is not okay, and it makes you uncomfortable, so you brush the whole thing off. And again, it might not sound like it right now, but this is an episode about hope. Really, <laughs> hope. It's about feeling hopeful, seeing things a little differently, or maybe, just maybe, believing everything will be okay. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Project podcast, where I am constantly breaking the rules to turn toxic fitness upside down and sharing metaphors to help make sense of our complicated mind-body connection. I'm Kate. I'm your kick-ass life enabler. I also happen to be a personal trainer and a counselor. If possible, I recommend walking while listening to new ideas because that bilateral movement helps our brain process, but it's certainly not a requirement. If you're driving or you're listening while doing mundane chores or taking a bubble bath, riding your horse, just wherever is convenient for you to listen to a podcast, keep listening. But that actually brings up a question I've been meaning to ask. Where do you usually listen to podcasts? I'm kind of curious, and I think I can make a question poll thing in Spotify. So if you happen to be listening from Spotify, maybe have a look at this episode, see if there's a question thing you can answer there, and, and answer it. That would be really cool. Personally, I'm a walker, and Often, I will listen to a podcast while I am doing those mundane chores, folding laundry, doing dishes, poop patrol. Knowing I get to listen to a favorite podcast makes it easier to start those tasks or to just get my butt out the door for a walk, because starting is the hardest part sometimes, right? Okay, quick squirrel detour here, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome, I do these little squirrel detours once in a while. When you are trying to build new habits, try building a habit that takes less than two minutes. Now, if you've listened to some of my other episodes, I think the very first one, you may remember hearing me talk about 30 second habits, which is essentially what I call anything under two minutes. Now, obviously that shortened time frame limits you, like limits what can you do in that time, but how much easier is it to think about doing something for 30 seconds than to do something for 30 minutes? Like if, if I'm trying to build the habit of going for a 30 minute run or even a walk, I could build the 30 second habit of putting on my shoes and going out the door. Whatever happens after that is irrelevant. I achieved the goal. Now, I know, I know you're saying putting on your shoes and going out the door isn't going to give you the same benefits as actually going for the walk or the run, but A, I didn't say we couldn't do the run. I just said we achieved the goal of starting, which is probably more than we would have done if we'd made the goal to go for the 30 minutes. And B, achieving these small goals 
setting up these small habits is key to achieving bigger ones. Okay, this is probably a good time to do my, I do this every episode, but it's probably a good time to remind you that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy or meant as life advice specifically for you. I am going to be talking about hope today and everything being okay, but if things really aren't okay right now and you need help, please do reach out to local authorities or a professional in whatever field matches whatever's not okay. During this episode, I am going to be talking about mindset shifts and things you have control over, but big caveat here. None of what I say is meant to be dismissive of anything you are going through. As always, be your own best friend when it comes to your listening. If you're finding yourself triggered, you need a moment to ground yourself, or maybe to just stop listening, please do that. You deserve it. You deserve to feel okay. You deserve to feel okay. Sit with that for a moment. You deserve to feel okay. You don't have to earn it by sticking to your diet or getting a promotion. You deserve to enjoy the space between your ears where you live most of your life. We all spend most of our lives in our heads. So let's make it a kick-ass place to be, shall we? You actually deserve to feel better than okay, but let's start with okay and work our way up the ladder. And if you've listened to my last few episodes, you will recognize that reference to our polyvagal ladder and creating environments that allow our nervous system to feel safe. But if you haven't, no worries, this episode will still make sense. But do make note of the idea that we are working our way up. It is work. It doesn't have to feel like a job that you hate. It doesn't have to feel like that kind of work. But motivation doesn't inspire action. Action creates motivation. So take that in if you haven't heard that before or considered that before. Most of us think about waiting for motivation to do things, whereas we rarely just have motivation come to us. Motivation is created through action, which kind of full circles back to my little squirrel detour. We are hardly ever going to actually feel motivated to go for a run, but put your shoes on and go out the door and maybe motivation appears. Let's take it back even a step further, because especially when we're not feeling okay, even the smallest things can feel really big. And action is work. It usually takes an energy shift from a safe and relaxed state, and safe and relaxed nervous system state, to we have to shift to actually stimulating our sympathetic nervous system. So if we're sitting on the couch waiting to feel motivated to do that run, it isn't gonna happen. Nobody who is on the couch and comfy feels like getting their heart rate up and getting sweaty, or even maybe getting up and stretching for that matter. We need to create some energy with action. It might be as simple as pressing our hands together like with a little bit of force. We naturally will sit up a bit straighter. Our heart rate will increase. So already moving us into that sympathetic nervous system state that we need in order to take action. 
and we have the feel good of skin on skin, even though it's our own skin. So that has that ventral, vagal, don't worry if those terms don't make sense to you. The skin on skin is comforting, even though we're stimulating our sympathetic nervous system, skin on skin is telling us it's safe. And we have put the intention in our head already that, okay, we're gonna be changing this comfy couch state. The key is to use these small motivation sparks that, that occur as soon as you take action and build more. So like imagine, you know, if you haven't actually done it, you can imagine it, because I'm sure you've maybe seen it on TV, that somebody's starting a fire and they get that first little spark going and then they blow on it, they add a bit of fuel to it, right? Maybe that's oxygen, maybe that's more actual fuel, things to burn. So after we've pressed our hands together, we can say, one, two, three, go, and stand up. Boom, we have just built on that little bit of motivation. We've put more energy into it. Keep looking to the next small step and then use the all or nothing thinking that <laughs> we tend to be so good at using for evil and we can use it for good. So while I'm up already, might as well put my shoes on. One, two, three, go, by the way, is a really cool thing for anything you're trying to put off. Like if you are trying to, let, this is just a random thing, but let's say you're, you're trying to psych yourself up to jump into some cold water, a lake or a pool or whatever. The longer you stand there imagining how cold it will be, the longer you actually experience it. Instead, one, two, three, go. See, when you are imagining something that you want to avoid, you are actually experiencing it for a longer period of time than you need to. So imagining how cold the water will feel when you're standing there before you've actually done it, there is a part of your brain that doesn't know your imagination isn't real. And it experiences those thoughts as if it is real. And your body reacts to that. Your nervous system reacts to that. And I know you might be going, hmm, okay, whatever, Kate. So let's do a little test to prove how strong your mind-body connection is. I'm gonna get you to imagine a lemon. So you can imagine picking it up in the grocery store, or it's in your home, whatever, just what does it look like? Think about the color of it. Imagine holding it, feel the weight in your hand, the little dimples that are there, you can see those dimples, you can feel them with your fingers, with your thumb. And then Maybe bring that lemon up to your nose where the rind is. Smell the rind and it's got that citrusy smell, right? And then maybe we can cut that lemon. And as we cut the lemon, there's that little spray that comes out of the rind and then maybe even out of the lemon itself. And, and you know, that, that it gets into the air and maybe even stings our eyes a little bit. And then take this half of a lemon that we've cut and smell it again, bring it up to your nose and you've got a much stronger citrus smell. And then take your tongue, this imaginary lemon, put your tongue on this imaginary lemon and can you feel what happens in your mouth when you do that? You know that lemon taste, right? You can feel the, the twinges in your jaw. And, and if you're up for it, imagine taking a bite out of that lemon. You are now salivating more because your body is rea reacting physically to an imaginary lemon. You did that. 
You did that with the power of your mind. You are amazing. You have more control of how you are experiencing life than you maybe currently realize. And everything is going to be okay. If it's not okay yet, it's not the end. <laughs> Which is my little shout out. If you've never seen The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, that is a quote from that movie. If it's not okay, if it's not okay, everything's going to be okay. If it's not okay yet, it's not the end. Which is just kind of a nice way to remind ourselves that just because we are in the middle of our, our storm journey, it doesn't mean we're not going to come out the other side. So the storm might pass, like maybe our situation changes, our environment changes. Or maybe we need to hunker down and shelter for a while, like feeling sad or even depressed. Or maybe it might feel really uncomfortable when we're in this storm and we pull up our hoods, we're pushing into the wind and rain to keep going. But that's only proof that you're in the storm, not proof that things won't be okay. A good friend of mine, who I have endured some actual storms with while hiking, she sent me a video from one of my favorite TikTok therapists, and I'm going to give you his name because this next part I'm going to talk about is actually his concept, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, adding some of my own thoughts in, but it's a beautiful, life-changing thing, and I want to give him credit for it. So that. TikTok therapist is Matthias J. Barker, and she sent me this video where he said, when people say to us that everything will be okay, what they don't mean is everything is going to line up with your expectations. They can't know that. We can't know that. They might mean that you are more resilient than you currently know, and that I can see that in you even if you can't. Or they might mean that even if everything totally falls apart, life might still show you that it is more meaningful than you could ever have known, that it can still impress you, that it can still surprise you, that it might be okay. Now that might sound like naive optimism, but it's actually not. It's the language of hope. And even if you don't feel strong enough to hold on to hope for yourself right now, don't dismiss or be cynical when someone else holds on to it for you. So again, that was Matthias J. Barker. And again, I didn't quote him exactly, but that was the sentiment. And I just think it is a beautiful thought that it doesn't mean everything's going to turn out the way we want or the way we think but it doesn't mean it's not going to be okay. See, when we are in our storm, our visibility is low. Have you ever heard of the 10 smileys experiment? This is a, a really cool experiment that was done on um, negative mindsets and positive mindsets. So a group of people, here's the experiment, there's a group of people and they split them into the negatives and the positives, meaning they primed one group of people with positiveness. So they could have shown them funny cat videos or something and they prime the other group with negativity so potentially showing them pictures or videos of people in conflict or something and then they gave them these newspapers and said there are 10 smiley faces in these newspapers 
for every smiley face you find, you will get $10. So potentially you walk out of here with $100. Now what's so fascinating is that the negatively primed group found all the smileys. They found the 10 smileys, they got their $100. And I know you might be thinking, huh, that's not what I thought you were gonna say. But here's the thing. The positively primed group, they left with $200, not because they found more smileys, but because at the top of the paper, there was a statement that said, don't look for smileys, turn this paper in, get $200. And the moral of this story is that when we are in a negative place in our mind, it narrows our view. It narrows our possibilities. We don't see things. We are so focused in on one thing that it's like having blinders on to the rest of life, to the other options, the other possibilities. So maybe you can't see a ray of sunshine in your storm or believe there's a way out, but maybe you can believe that what you are seeing isn't all there is. That maybe someone outside of the storm with a bird's eye view or someone who doesn't have wind, rain, sleet, snow, ice, all up in their business. Maybe they aren't a delusional optimist trying to ride in on a unicorn to save you. Maybe they're just someone holding up a flashlight and offering some hope because they really can see things that you can't. A different path, maybe strengths in you, or maybe that just around the corner, the scenery changes. I went skiing once. So this is a cross-country skiing story. I was just divorced, which maybe that plays into it, maybe it doesn't, because thinking about a negatively primed mind, but I was on this little vacation with my kids. The kids were doing a craft thing, and I wanted to go on this epic cross-country ski trail someone had told me about. So it was a big climb up, but then it, you got to the top of the hill, and basically you're on a, a downhill ski track, and you can go down from there, but you can cross-country ski up it. And so I went and it was hard and I was by myself and I'm in the woods and the, the longer I went, the more tired I was getting, the more I was psyching myself out, right? Like just thinking, maybe this isn't safe. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And I remember getting to one point and there was some unique kind of landmarks with the trees and things and I was just done. I, I was like, this trail never ends and... <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just not sure I'm even on the right trail anymore. And so I went back down. And when I got back down, the person who told me about the trail asked me how it went. And I told them what had happened, where I'd gotten to. And they, they just kind of looked at me with wide eyes and said, I, I know exactly where you're talking about. You were there. Right around the corner was the top of the hill. And yes, absolutely. I had, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me thoughts and I definitely had regrets, could not believe I was that close and then I turned around. But this is not a story about whether or not I should have kept going. Because who knows, maybe, maybe I'd kept going and gone down the downhill part and broken my leg. I'm not trying to make this horrible. Maybe I would have gone and had a beautiful ski down. I just don't know, right? It would have been a different memory, whatever would have happened, it would have been a different memory. But the experience I had, it doesn't take away from the experience I did have, I guess is the point. 
I still got to the top, <laughs> even if I didn't know it and I missed the epic view. I, I still got the experience of, of the climb. Whether or not I should have kept going is not the point. The point is you can't know what you don't know. You can't know what you don't know. And I wanted to tell this story because hindsight is this tricky thing that we sometimes use to keep ourselves feeling not okay. So like, for instance, when I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, you should have just kept going. Can't believe you didn't. I'm saying that with hindsight, right? And it's tricky because it's hard to remember what it was like before we knew something. It's hard to unknow what we now know. So our present day self puts itself back into the shoes of the past version of us. But it has a, when, it, when it does that, when present day us goes back and puts itself into the shoes of the past us, it has a really hard time unknowing what has been learned since. So we reimagine the situation and sort of say, why didn't I just fill in the blank there? But we do it forgetting what it was like to be us without the knowledge that we now have. What we think we should have done is only valid if we can go back in time and give our past self the ability to see into the future. Berating ourselves keeps us stuck in a negatively framed mindset and definitely not feeling okay. There is another point to this story, and that is that I didn't know what was around the corner. I constantly don't know the future. And as long as I don't know the future, we have this Schrodinger's cat situation where both possibilities of everything being okay or everything not being okay, both of those possibilities still exists, which means everything will be okay is a real possibility. So when someone says to us, everything will be okay, and we're just like having such a hard time holding on to that thought, we want to brush it off, maybe we can expand our mind enough to believe in both options. Not to just eliminate everything will be okay, but to accept it in alongside the option that we're so, we're wanting to hold on to the option that it won't be okay. Now, regardless, if someone is offering to stand beside you in that storm that you're in, even for a second, and they're offering that with everything is going to be okay sentiments, lean on them. Lean into that. Even if for just a moment, take that relief. If you're tired and you're feeling weak and like I was at the top of that hill with, I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. That is exactly the time to hold on to someone else's hope. It doesn't take away from them. There isn't a finite amount of hope in the world. It's just whether or not you're able to see it and absorb it. Being in a not okay place is kind of like trying to get oxygen from water without gills. Oxygen could be all around you in that water, but your body is not able to absorb it and process it. Fish could be all around you getting plenty of oxygen. And doesn't it kind of feel that way sometimes when we're not okay? This feeling that we're kind of alone with it and other people around us might as well be fish for how connected we feel to them. We feel like the weird one, the out of place one, 
like the other fish people are laughing and saying, hey, just breathe like this and everything will be okay. But they have gills. Did you know that if you're underwater and someone with a lung full of air was to give you their exhale, it would give your body some oxygen. Now, it's not the same as breathing big gulps of air for yourself on land, obviously, and I am not suggesting anyone try this at home, but if this other person kept going to the surface and breathing and bringing you back their exhales, you would keep getting oxygen. You wouldn't be healthy and thriving, and eventually there would be other concerns, but don't turn down the air someone offers you when you feel like you're drowning. Everything is going to be okay. You've got this. I believe in you. I don't know you, but if you're listening, I believe in you. You are stronger than you know. You have a 100% success rate at surviving. You're doing great. Life happens for you, not to you. And ooh, that can be a hard notion to hear when you're not okay. <laughs> this idea that the hell I'm going through is for my own good to make me stronger. This idea that when I need to learn patience, life will give me lineups. When I want to be more organized, life will give me chaos. The thing is, whether or not that is actually true doesn't matter. You could argue the chaos and lineups were already there, and that's why you wanted to learn the patience in the organization. It doesn't matter. If you view life through that perspective of life happens for you, not to you, it changes your life. There's a quote from, I always have trouble stumbling over this name, but it's a quote from Haruki Murakami. Oh, I think I said that okay. When you come out on the other side of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what the storm is about. You didn't come here on this earth to stay the same. You are built for hard things. You are wired for struggle and survival. You can do this, I promise you are built for survival. You came here to learn to change, to grow, to experience life. And life is change. Life is sunny beaches and raging storms and everything in between. Life is happening for you. Now, this is where I want to put that major caveat that I am not minimizing truly horrible things. Abuse, loss of loved ones, injuries, or anything else that cuts deeply. This is not saying that you deserve, need, or should be grateful for any of these things. These, these things I just talked about, these are horrible, and I am sorry if you are or have experienced them. There are a lot of things we can't control in life. In fact, the only thing we can really control is us, ourself. No matter what is happening in our lives, we still have choices. Choices about who we are and how we interact with the world and with life. So what do you want to experience? There is this idea in couples therapy that instead of telling your partner all the things you you don't want from them, like I feel like you don't care about me or I feel like you're always in a pissy mood, share with them what you want to feel 
instead. I want to feel more affection from you, or I want to feel like I can come to you with my problems. Now, why am I talking about couples therapy? <laughs> well, I'm going to do a whole episode on translating couples therapy techniques into self-counseling because this is a thing that, as far as I know, I've kind of invented, and yet I have, I, I have yet to find a way that it doesn't work. So it's really interesting to me, but let's start with this one, this saying what you want instead. What do you want to experience from life? And when we do that, my kids drive me crazy becomes I want to have more patience with my kids. So life happens for you and the lineups are there. If you see that as life being shit, it will feel like shit. If you see it as life giving you an opportunity to practice patience, how does that change things for you? Or you might be saying, I want to have love in my life. So life happens for you. And maybe you experience love with someone else and maybe you don't. Or maybe you do and then it's lost. First of all, if it is that situation of it's lost, please remember it doesn't mean it wasn't love. It doesn't mean it wasn't real. But life, no matter what's going on, is always going to give you the opportunity to love yourself. With every heartbreak, there is the chance to love yourself deeper. Because you are the only permanent relationship in your life. Let's make it a kick-ass one, right? When we look at it through that lens, how does that change things for you? And yes, I know, I get it. These things don't always come wrapped up in these nice, tidy bows of black and white simplicity that I'm making it sound like, and I don't want to make it sound trite or oversimplified, but mindset shifts are potentially the biggest impact you can make to your life. You might have to work at them in the beginning, or they might just, some of them might just be penny drop, aha moments, boom, I got it, oh my gosh, this changes everything. Either way, how do we get practical about this? How do we take charge of navigating our storms? I hope you're feeling that by now, that you can control more than you knew, that there might be hope even if you can't see it, that you are a valuable, purposefully created being who deserves to be here, who is worthy of joy, happiness, and love, who has a story to tell that one day might become someone else's storm survival guide. There's Jim Carrey said something once about depression. He said that depression is legi legitimate. He said, I, I believe depression is legitimate. And he's right, it is. But he also said, if we don't exercise, eat nutrients, get sunlight, sleep, surround ourselves with support, feed ourselves with positive material, we aren't giving ourselves a fighting chance. There's this thing that maybe I'll expand on in another episode, like, that says, um, when I'm thinking about depression, and I say, how could I make, if I wanted to guarantee I made my depression worse, what kind of things would I do? And very often, those are the things we are already doing. So if we start doing different things, and again, coming full circling back, pressing our hands together, creating that energy, creating motivation through action, 30-second habits, we don't need to make it big things. 
give ourselves a fighting chance with small changes, 5% changes. This is something else um, from that Matthias J. Barker. Um, he talked about 5% changes and 5% changes oftentimes being more useful than great big huge changes. So the example was if you have a stomach ache, like a huge change might be, oh, I have a stomach ache, let's do exploratory surgery or something, which may end up causing more harm than whatever the problem was in the first place. A 5% change might be going, what did I eat just before the stomach ache? Maybe I can look at changing that, right? It's, it's putting on my shoes and going out the door is my little 5% change rather than I'm going for that 30-minute run. So here's my quick checklist, which, by the way, is not at all like a complete list. It's just a quick one. As much as possible for yourself. Get sunlight. Take action to create motivation. So an inch of movement is worth more than a mile of intention. And you, again, apply that to your thoughts on workouts. See how that changes that. Inch of movement worth more than a mile of intention. Rest and recover after you've pushed into the storm, after you have made those efforts. You really are a stunning, precious human. You are not a robot. Rest and recover. Lean into support when it shows up. Give your body nutrients. Give your body movement. Give your mind beautiful things to think and notice, even if life isn't all roses. One way to start with this is to notice something beautiful in someone else, and if it's appropriate, tell them. Because again, hope is not a finite resource in the universe. It's an energy flowing all around, and if someone offers it to you or you offer it to someone else, you don't take it from anyone or anywhere. You don't get less. Nobody else gets less. You just connect someone or yourself to the flow of it. And guess what? The more people who are connected to it, the more of it, the, the bigger that hope energy gets. Meditation and mindfulness are actually scientifically proven to change the physiology of our brain. Almost like if you were underwater and you could suddenly grow gills. That's the power of meditation and mindfulness. And that's coming from somebody who is not a meditation fan. <laughs> Writing is also a really powerful tool, and there's some things with that that I'm kind of itching to squirrel off on, but I think they are really best saved for their own episode. Has this episode been helpful? I feel like I, I threw a lot of things in there, potentially some mind-blowing things, maybe some reminders. Did anything resonate? What If something did resonate, I would love to hear. I certainly hope you got something out of it and you're going to be coming back for more episodes because I truly appreciate you listening. I appreciate it so much. And I just kind of even missed that I said that, that was like a, I just said, I hope you've gotten something out of it and you'll come back. This is an episode about hope after all. Okay, so if, if you are enjoying this content, follow the podcast, turn on the notifications. That makes it easier to know when a new episode is coming out. And there's a great way to 30-second habits, right? Like, just start listening to the podcast. Just make life easier for you. And 
giving a five-star review or rating on iTunes will help other people find it. So it's like that doing something for yourself, doing something for others right there. And thank you so much if you choose to do that. But regardless of what you do from here, please take this thought with you. Everything will be okay. I know this because you are here listening to this podcast, which means you do have hope. It means you're still on. Keep riding.